This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast with our annual Summer Doldrums episode. It's not intended to be annual, it's just the market changes periodically, so we revisit basically how we're operating during this summer lull when there's a lot of products coming out, not a whole lot of events, uh, not super excited for the holiday season, and spending is just kind of down yep. compared to other times of the year. So let's get started. So for me, I've held off on a lot of purchasing this summer outside of patching up um, modern stuff to actually play the format. Um, what I've been looking for is kind of what we talked about last episode with what I think are going to be better longer-term holds uh, moving into rotation, so I focused on a, a lot of things in standard. But in the interim, I've actually been watching the reserve list. And not the entirety of it, just kind of a subsection of it. Yeah. Right now on the reserve list, uh, th there are a number of facets at play and a number of things happening, and one of them is that... There's been a decent st amount of stagnation and even a drop across prices of some of the quote-unquote high-profile, what's it seen, uh, high-profile cards, um, and this just awkward, like, not adjustment by vendors to price down or price up on a lot of this moving into the holidays like we would normally saw or see. Yeah. Card. So I've just kind of been biding my time and waiting to pick up some odds and ends from the reserve list. I'm not looking at duels. I am looking at, um, and not, I'm not looking at power. I'm not looking at things like tabbies and bazaars, but I am looking at some of the other reserve list cards that are EDH playable. That's what, where I'm looking right now because that's where I noticed this drop into just this right now plateau. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's similar to me is that I, like, I'm also operating in that unilateral staple section and trying to stay away from the high-end stuff and honestly the one difference i would say is duels i am at least trying to pick up the low-end ones uh ucs volks trops haven't really been moving for me as well as like your taigas and badlands and stuff like that um so i'm still picking up like those low-end duels but other than that i'm kind of in the same spot where it's you know a little bit of a focus on the reserve list and then of course I'm a big proponent of fetch lands and shocks. You can never have too many of those. The goal is to own zero at any given time and just turn them into money. Mm -hmm. And those are two of the cards that are still, even now during this lull, doing that for me and have liquidity. I'm able to trade them out. I'm able to sell them. I'm yeah. able to turn them into other cards. Yeah. Anybody paying attention to stocks over the last couple of weeks should have seen the original uh, Onslaught fetches uh, start popping again, returning back to what we saw like circa 2016 or 2017 where we had uh, deltas reaching almost a hundred dollars yeah Don't yeah we're boom. the star city legacy boom yeah it's it's basically like we never got the cons reprints they just almost to get there. yeah 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 so I, I haven't really been picking up a lot locally um aside from some of my lgs's i've just been trying to really support them where possible and pick but picking up specifically those cards that i was talking about i've been more eyeing a lot of what i've been sitting on recently and so that's what I'm getting ready to do is churn a lot of this overstock or specs, backstock, etc., into some of these other reserve list cards. So I started doing yeah. that this weekend and basically collating a list for the next week or two 
to get rid of to start picking up you know some of these uh, some of these cards that I'll talk about in a moment but <clears throat> when we originally started talking about this topic I started to note you know mentally okay what am I going to go through that's actually going to be worthwhile and one of the items I had on my list was my pioneer specs because I got a lot of them thanks yeah for playing through that era and the star seed announcement led me to believe that hey we might actually get this format in paper but I basically had to put a stop to that pipe dream um, yeah if star city doesn't actually do anything in paper then nobody's going to be supporting that format so that basically ices all of my pioneer specs and I thought, like, all right, maybe I'll just try and get out of some of the key mythics that I have, like the Hazarets that we talked about a year, like, probably two years ago at this point in time in yeah. the red deck. Some of the odds, other odds and ends that make up the format, but that format is, from a price perspective, essentially dead if the spec is dedicated to that format. It's just been, yeah. like, glacial trying to do that. No, which is interesting because, you know, you and I were both pretty high on Pioneer when it came out, thinking this is, you know an eternal non-rotating format that we're going to have is going to stick around. It's going to be great. It's modern light because modern's moving into the legacy role and pioneer moves into that modern role. And that just has not been the case. No. And, you know, harkens back to what we keep saying is that EDH is king, especially now. And star city can say soon TM all they want to. That doesn't mean we're actually going to get anything in paper anytime soon TM. I think the most important thing for me is that while Pioneer does make up a small portion of my specs overall, everything else has held well enough and my targets, which um, I've been interested in, have not been moving. They've basically been steady. And uh, I'll take you through a couple now. So the first one I've been looking at is Grim Monolith. You know, we we saw it spike to about, what is it, like 430, 450. Come Strixhaven, which was, you know, April you know the beginning of that's q2 and then into q3 it's basically dropped and now we're in the plateau that is one of the cards i'm looking at because that is a key edh card and uh it's it's key in most cubes it was it's like just barely not legacy playable the mud deck is not quite real there so it's not a vintage staple it's not good enough the other is similar in mox diamond yeah now same thing strixhaven bump that's basically been the ceiling on this card, bringing it to about 650, 700, depending on if you're looking at marketed average. It tanks, and now it holds. <clears throat> right now at about 600. That's another card that's floated by, you know, EDH, C, and not uh, Cube Aficionados, but at least this C's Legacy play. True. And if you want And if you want to max out on Moxon, you still play Land and Vintage, right? So it has... It's broadly applicable. And then the last one... <clears throat> which is also another EDH staple. And this graph's a little harder to see because of the spike in January, but it's revised Wheel of Fortunes. Yeah. So it spikes to like 2K, which is ridiculous. Obviously, it can't hold. And so we'll say the real price is from about 300 uh, to uh, 630. And it's slowly been on a downtrend, and now it's plateauing around 400. Picking up a couple of these, I'm <clears throat> very happy with turning my specs into because these are cards that will eventually pick back up in time. There's yeah. no reason not to. These aren't oddball reserve list specs. I'm not looking to make incredible percentage gains on a card that costs single dollars or somewhere between 10 and 20. I want better returns on a higher price card overall. And so that's yeah. where I'm looking to move now. A lot of these kinds of cards that have appeal, they are applicable to EDH constructed formats, maybe, cube, etc. Make up the 
popular part of the reserve list, so they're kind of like tier two-ish, depending on what you're looking at, maybe a little bit below that in the case of Grim Monolith. But yeah. these like staple reserve list cards that aren't things like Jizam. And noted because it's a face of the game in terms of the art and it's incredibly playable in old school. You know, Mono yeah. Black is um, aggro, control, whatever you want to play. Shazam is still the card to go to there. You know, I want to try and stay away from that, not because of the price, but because of the niche it's in. And look at these broader specs that are, have broader appeal. Yeah. So that's basically I, I, where I've been operating in the lull this entire time. And I think that's a, a good point to make, is that you're trying to leverage these specs you know that we harp on every episode uh into something that is more stable and has a better return and use of space and i think that's something that a lot of people may not necessarily think of when they're looking at their specs this is the time to do it yeah we talk about how the market is cyclical we talk about how there's reserveless spike then it tanks and then we have a new floor set and buying in on the floor is what you want to do well right now and it's funny because it's about this time every year late spring early fall we hit this plateau with reserve list and this is the time to start churning some of those specs yep. into real reserve list cards yeah if you want to be galaxy brain about it turn your chaff reserve list into store credit during the spike and then use that store credit during the plateau mm -hmm. but this is the time when it's like okay we're locking in our margins and we're locking in our buy price on yeah. these cards. And that's something that, you know, unless you're a self-sufficient store, like when you're backpacking, you, this is how you get your inventory churn on buy lists. Times like now, mm -hmm. where all of a sudden Emberwild Caliph turns into two Mox Diamonds or Grim Feast turns into an LED or something that like, okay, here's where I spent 50 bucks yep. and got a Mox Diamond out of it. Why that not? seems pretty good. Absolutely. And a, a part of this is fed by the fact that large vendors just haven't repriced like you usually expect heading into the the winter and the holiday season. This is where you usually start seeing price increases that go from, they start small and they'll increase into larger and larger amounts as we head into tax return season. Grim Monolith is being sold by Card Kingdom and EX Copy for $341.99. If I jump on TCG Player right now, I can buy... All right, let me actually throw a filter on here. Let's say LP for $284, right? There's a $60 difference between the two, and it starts ticking up very quickly on TCG Player. It's not like Card Kingdom is that much more expensive than the open market, say in the neighborhood of no. 15 to 20%, which is like a decent margin, scientifically speaking. But in regards to price and reserve list, not terrible, especially when it's been flat for a fairly long time on Card Kingdom. And it's that rope in these prices that really interests yep. me this year compared to others because of what you're talking about. We see this cyclically, but for whatever reason, a good portion of the reserve list just isn't churning like it usually would at the vendor level. We haven't started to see these upticks. So we've been able to operate in our space a little bit longer and start leveraging these like lower-end picks, the in for other formats for longer term holds and push them up into reserveless staples things that will rope and see a decent roi something yeah. you also mentioned was space i have i don't know like 
it's it's not a large amount by any means, but I don't know, probably six or so one rows, and this is basically going to be I don't know, maybe half to three quarters of a one row in specs turned into two to three cards. That's a premium. I, I don't have a lot of room to operate here in terms of yeah. space afforded to me for specs. So whatever I can do this when I can just bulk out like this, it's super advantageous for me. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people think about. They just all stack five rows to the ceiling until the floor case, whichever happens first. And then I'll go through them eventually. Like that becomes an insurmountable mess fairly quickly. It does. Uh, and I, I think it's, you know, especially when you are on a smaller operation and you're kind of doing it yourself, that space constraint, like there is, there is a value to space. Mm -hmm. And look, if I can over time churn that five row from being a row of Sarkins on the ceiling and a couple rows of reserve list specs to five plus like a row of stuff I've bought, yep. I'd much rather it be a five row of like wheel of fortune or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's never going to get there obviously. Yeah unless you get rid of the space because look you can have a half million cards in bulk that's a half million cards you're gonna have to go through yeah at some point and again this is that point you need to turn that stuff into something real yeah so you know your planar collapse foils i you know get rid of them like what whatever it is that you were doing this is the time to pick up yeah. and I touched on it a couple episodes ago when I picked Black Lotus as the example of, hey, buy into the dip because we're hitting the dip now. Mm -hmm. Well, now we've hit the floor. And reserveless cards won't be cheaper than they are now probably ever again. Absolutely. As long as reserveless is around with yeah. that copy. The other interesting thing that I saw while I was doing this and pricing out is um, the limited amount of alpha and beta that I have has grown exponentially. Uh, comparatively it's speaking. absurd. Yeah. So if you've just got any tucked away that you're thinking about moving at some point in time, you know, PSA check in on it more frequently than you think you should. Um, yeah. It, it's all going. There's even some stuff from Unlimited that has a decent price premium on it now. It, it, the collector's market is uh, not in full swing, but it's swinging right now. And I would definitely, definitely keep an eye on as much as you can from that stuff. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you may not necessarily operate in the collector's circles a lot of times, and that's okay. But it's still something that you need to at least be mindful of mm -hmm. uh, in order to say, hey, look, I've got this stuff is affecting prices. It does have an impact. And it's one of those market forces that also doesn't take a break. Whereas, you know, getting tax season, for example, tax season ends eventually yep. and prices recover those collectors that collectability is what keeps prices like on those old alpha beta cards where they're at because old school does not have the popularity to thrust that it it does on the east coast but not nationally i wouldn't think yeah and some of this stuff too the weird things that i've been checking in on that have picked up a price it might be hard for you to move in this collector circle. There's no shame in selling to a buy list. I, for whatever reason, yeah. I have two Alpha Benelish Heroes. They're not sexy cards, but you know what? AB's paying me $33 cash and $49 in trade all day long on Boy. cards that I picked up just here and there. Like, if you don't. Sure. Yeah, exactly. If you don't have the inroads to do it yourself, by all means, just exit to buy a list. It, it'll, it'll make your day. Like, but this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I. I, I've, I've got it all cataloged, but I don't keep an eye on it because it's just the, that box is the Ronco rotisserie of my specs. It, yep. I didn't forget it, and 
I forgot about it. Came back and now my Banish heroes are actually worth something. Like, you never know. So that's basically why, Ben, you mentioned that you were, you were still looking at duels, fetches, shocks, you know, essentially the real estate portion of magic, which is always good for gains. Is there anything that you've been doing, um, like, spec-wise, looking either to get into or out of? Yeah, so as far as stuff getting into, it's the RL trash in chaff. Like Ember Wild Caliph, I mentioned, yeah. I just picked up about 40 more of those because they're at their low again. Um, Purgatories picked that up, picked up some Grim Feasts because that's the poster child for my awful reserveless specs. Your nice um, suit of bulk RL cards, yeah. Yes. Uh, and I, I think the other thing, too, that I've been doing is I'm actually picking up a lot of the, like foil commons from recent sets that i think we'll see pauper play one day okay just because it's something that right now these cards are like retail you know 15 20 cents or whatever it is great i'll pick up a play set and if it becomes a dollar i'll throw it in a booth for three dollars for the set and it'll move and it's one of those things that space constraints aren't great but uh fortunately the Popper metagame, while it does get shaken up by, you know, Master Sets, Modern Horizons type stuff, it's still a pretty, like, set meta. Mm-hmm. So you know what decks cards go in. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't take up that much space, actually. And that's one of those things that, like, this time of year, it's kind of like, well, I'm not, like, churning as much as I normally would right now, so I guess I'll take a break and just see what awful, crappy foils I can pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as unloading right now, uh, a lot of my old star foils that I picked up, I've been unloading periodically over the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm down to my foil seventh set as far as complete sets go, but I've got some other random, you know, just like Radiance Judgments from Urza's Legacy that I'm like, well, this card is worth too much money for what it is, so I guess get rid of it. Yep. I like the idea of taking this time to deep dive because this is a good time for people who are operating within the lull to actually come up for air, which is an yeah. awkward and you know thing to say when I talk about a deep dive. Um, <laughs> from just churning throughout the year and trying to keep up and actually being able to investigate a format yeah. properly and decide you know where they want to be for the next set, the next three months, the next year, and basically reevaluate their positions and take the time to do that and say, okay, this is where I'm going to focus. I need to churn X, Y, or Z, or I need to pick up A, B, and C, and we'll operate and move on from there. And I, I think that's really, for me, this time of year is essential because doing that kind of refreshes my joy for it Mm -hmm. and like getting into that minutia because like, burnout's real you know it is oh, absolutely. We've covered it in an episode before and this is one of those times where i'm like all right no this is cool this is fun this yep. is this isn't work this is me enjoying it and i yeah. think the lull is the perfect time to take advantage of that yeah and I, I think this might be the time too as well where you've seen a lot of people make us a, a move over to or incorporating more flesh and blood now that we have uh, channel fireball coming up publicly on twitter and talking about their event series for flesh and blood uh, i think that's everything's just hashtag fab fab yeah. Or moving into Pokemon. Uh, apparently, there's I, I didn't I found this out today just by reading Twitter. There's like a a, a block style. Yep. Um, constructed. Yeah. Format that you can play in Pokemon. So there's a lot of chatter on, around that. But finance is still real in regards to Pokemon. 
but it, it seems to be uh, bookending the game. It's either a Watsi era or whatever is in standard, standard in their modern style or extended style format. Just doesn't get a lot of traction. Yeah. But I've seen people seemingly, you know, taking the time to pivot there at, for additional opportunity as both games are kind of in a boom cycle right now in terms of playability. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, this is the time where not only do you see that on, like, the backpacker level, but like you said, you do see it on the bigger vendor level. This is like, all right, well, we're about to hit the holidays, so we want to hit the ground running and not, mm-hmm. you know, pivot to something new during the holidays. So, you know, your cool stuffs, your star cities, your channel fireballs of the world. This is the time of year where yep. they take to Twitter and they say, this is what we're doing here's the unveiling of what it is and that's a good time you know i'm glad you mentioned that because it is it's a good time to pivot into something else if you've been thinking about it i think i actually got an email from cfb about an nba box break tonight or maybe on thursday like cfb is just going fucking all out man right now in every collector space they can yeah which cast a wide net make content that's the cheapest way to make money yeah absolutely and yeah uh you know re-upping renewal you know by being able to just take take a step back and say, okay, this is what I like about what I'm doing, et cetera, I think is also a really good way to look at the summer lull. And it, um, I forgot what Discord we were talking about this in, but it's not, you know, you mentioned at the top of the episode, this is cyclical, and it truly is because um, Adventures in Forgotten Realms, or whatever the set is called, is taking the place of what has predominantly been known as the core set slot. Mm-hmm. And the core set slot is always predominantly the lull in the magic year it is the low point it is the summer set in north america this is where people go on vacation there's usually not a lot of buy-in because people are just gone and so the expectation is that things kind of cool from now uh into the fall set which will be the industrial sets so this kind of came with expectation we just saw some more interesting things happen around it the reserve list, yeah. the shift into other games for the first time in a while, uh, despite what was going on last year. It seemed like people were interested in Pokemon finance, which is good. That's great. A lot of people are in it. But this is the first time in a while I've seen people move into the tournament side of things, the competitive side of the game, instead of just finance. And so all in all, I think this is probably the uni- a unique like month, month and a half for people where they can take the time and say, okay, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. I also think it's worth mentioning that part of the lull is I think people, especially, you mentioned AFR, especially now, are kind of just over it. We're in, we're, we're literally in month 14 of spoiler season because AFR released like two weeks ago and we just got our first Twilight 3 electric boogalee spoilers Mm -hmm. and like, come on guys, you got to give us a break. We got to take a break. Yeah, and then a month after Vampires, we get Werewolves or vice versa. I don't, I don't know what it is, but like yeah. the hits just keep on keep coming. coming. Yeah, it's, and it's going to be difficult to to kind of pick back up and get in. Um, I had mentioned in my notes of trying to find like standard twenty twenty two resources and possibly looking at some cards from within that, and then I just kind of immediately set that idea aside because yeah. The format as it exists right now is not what it'll be in in a month, and I realized that pretty quickly when I started asking around to see if anybody had deck lists. They're like, oh, it's, in- yeah. it's entirely too fast. It's basically uh, goblins, rogues, and like um, a shapeshifter-style deck that was like skeletons or something like that on the back end. Yeah, and like you just couldn't play anything slower than an aggro deck, and I was like, all right, that's kind of cool, but that's like week one of a format, and then I remember that we were missing two sets. Yeah. Like that. So I was like, oh... 
jog off I'll deal with that later there's not much I can really kind of figure out from here especially if um, Faithless Haven Book of the whatever Exalted Deeds yeah yeah, does eventually get banned in Sander 22 that's just going to kind of as it was it threw the entire meta off and so it's just kind of like "Mm, I don't know what's going to happen I'll I'll, I'll relax into this one Um, yeah you know Otherwise, for standard, the last couple things I did was just pick up what I need for modern. Yeah. It sounds odd, but I'll, I'll be playing Vance Squirrel Blade in modern with Toski because that card does too many things for a mono green card. <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing. It's kind of a poor replacement for Uro, but it gets the job done, so it's like, why not have some fun and cast a squirrel? When was the last yeah. time I cast a Noble Hierarch? I don't know. Maybe a Lara block? So... I'll be ripping it. Tuesday? Other than that, I did have... Uh, the last thing I picked up was for Cube. Oh, yeah. Foil Full uh, Art Wish, because that card was nuts when I watched the Vintage Art History draft. Yeah, that card was great, wasn't it? Yeah, just <laughs> any card from outside the game. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I can cut yeah. Cunning Wish or Burning Wish or Living Wish and just replace it with Wish. Wish. Wish, Wish. Yeah. for That card was cast, and I really thought it was just a custom card for the Cube. Like, I... I forgot, were they talking about like Mox Crystal and stuff on stream? Yeah. Like these Moto cards that were there to help test the framework of Moto. And I was like, you can't just, that's too on the nose. You can't just name a fucking Wish for a custom card. And then I realized yep. that was an AFR card. Yep. It's actually right. just called Wish. Yep. Two in a red. Good job, Wizards. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. That's it. Like standard, it, it's, I've kind of lost, lost my luster for it. It's not like there's too much to keep up with. I'm just super unimpressed with Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. I feel like. It is the set we needed to slow things down, and I appreciate yeah. that, but it's not something I wanted to buy into. It looks like uh, sales of collector's editions are kind of stagnant right now for Boy, AFR. is it bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the LGS that I've been frequenting said that despite the fact that they had a pre-release, nobody was selling back AFR cards because nobody really cared about AFR cards. <laughs> so nobody even wanted to sell them. I guess they were that bad. So. Yeah. It, it reminds me, honestly, of the release for Future Sight when Tarmogoyf was so bad people didn't want to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Like, there were vendors that were just passing on it. But it's a whole set like that. It's an entire set. Nobody wants anything to do that, to do with it. it. It is wild to me how little, like, this set is doing. Yeah. Because it's a fun format, but not happening. Yeah, I'm hoping... Renew, interest renews in it with uh, Innistrad, and then it doesn't become it doesn't fall flat because everything was interesting. I thought the keywording stuff was a little verbose because they just went over the top of it, but now we're off way off yeah. topic. This is true. Yeah. I, does that mean we're ready for picks? I think so. This is what happens in the lull. We run out of shit to talk about, so we talk about yeah. standard, a format neither of us fucking play. Oh, it's terrible. I think the last time I played standard, I was casting Stoke the Flames. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with that? Uh, yeah, the last time I played Standard was, I think I was turning Constrictors sideways for a oh, weekend. You're right. And then I and then I sold the deck because it won something, and I was like, "Well, these cards are worth money yeah, now." I, I played the newest Constrictor deck for a bunch in Standard, yeah. and then I think I played uh, the ra- the the red green ramp list into Ulamogs. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, the Ulamog list that was yep. great. All right, I went first last week with picks, so this one's yours. All right, so this is a specific pick from Modern Horizons 2, which I have been harping on because the cards are 
tanking in value because it's an it will set. Douthy Voidwalker, regular set version. Retro frame, if you're so inclined, whatever, don't bother with the foil. At any rate, this card is insane. It's better Bob. It's seeing a ton of play in Modern. It's seeing a ton of play in Legacy. And eventually, MH2 is going to dry up. And when MH2 dries up, I would expect that this does something similar to, like, an Urza, for example, where all of a sudden you wake up and it's a $50 card that you need in multiple decks that goes as a four of. And I think that it is an engine. It is a win con. It is it, it just does everything. It generates insane card advantage. It gives you an, a really efficient clock. It just does everything you want. And from a design perspective, you're looking at one of the most efficient beaters and sources of card advantage that they've ever printed, since Bob at least. At any rate, we're looking at about $10 now, which if you take a look at the stocks graph, you can see a steady decline from where it was at peak when it launched, which of course, pre-sales are always peak price. That's fine. Now we're hitting kind of this low point. So... My suggestion, basically, is get in for 7 to $8 if you can. I wouldn't go super deep, probably no more than like three or four play sets, but I would expect that within probably 8 to 12 months, just if paper events continue to happen, if Grand Prix happen, which that secret Grand Prix in Jersey was a riot, look it up if you haven't seen the pictures of the play mat. Oh, yeah. um, the more that organized play returns, and I don't mean Wizards' version of organized play, If we get a modern season announcement from Star City Games, this card explodes immediately as soon as that announcement is made. And without, like, assuming we get a normal schedule, you're looking at probably late spring to tax season when this card is going to take off. So that's what, about seven months from now ish? Uh, Which isn't very long. But at that point, I'd expect you see a similar to Urza explosion where all of a sudden. We go from 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50. Wouldn't be a problem to buy less profitably at that point. You could almost even buy in now at $10 and still buy less profitably in, I would expect, about four to six months. Just think it's a good card. No, it is. Uh, I thought this was a good card to begin with. Uh, I didn't think it was a $40 card, but I remember arguing fairly fervently with people at the pre-release on Friday night that they were undervaluing this card and what it does. And the only argument they could come up with was, yeah, well, it dies to lightning bolt. So does the entire fucking format. So does every, yeah. every card in modern dies to lightning bolt. Shut the fuck up. That's not a it good enough reason. dies to Doomblade. It's bad. Yeah. It's like, it gets path. It's whatever. Sure, then it did its job. You paid two mana to extract the best removal card from their hand, and then you play another one or another threat. Like, this is how the game works. <laughs> Nothing lives forever. This isn't like, what is it, fucking Sandlot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heroes live forever, but legends never die. Like, Jesus Christ. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, well, legends die. There's cards that literally kill legends specifically from Kamigawa Block. Stop it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, this is is a card I really like. Um, I've personally just been waiting to start seeing results with the card before I moved in. That's really what I was waiting for. I didn't want to pick it up and not have a result set behind it. But it's not because I was specking on it. It's because I want to play it. I just don't want to, like... I'm trying to be really surgical with my Modern Horizons 2 pickups. I just don't want to own this glut of the format and then not have anything to do with it. Um, yeah. 
so it, this has been something I've been waiting on and waiting on and waiting on. And I'm, I'm glad to see it start picking up again. Or not again, at all. And now it makes the, the pickup worthwhile. And I agree yeah. with, with everything you said. Um, Bob Maher might take issue, but I'm here for it. Sorry, Bob. Love you. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> my pick, I'm still sticking with my guns. Still sticking to EDH. Um, uh, I'm going with Perforos Bronze-Blooded. This is a card I've been watching for a while, but not the set version, not foil. I've been looking at the showcase. Just pure showcase, non-foil. And it's an interesting card. It's basically just the card Sneak Attack on your General or another creature in the 99. But I, I started watching this in May because I had a feeling that this was going to be kind of a, a, long, a long-term spec. Uh, just to sit on my list and kind of rot. Then I just checked in on Friday and I was like, what is going on with this card? And it turns out that it's all happening below the surface. Everything going on with Perforos is below the surface, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. So, why this card? Perforos, the bronze-blooded, is basically sneak attack dot deck. That's all it is. Uh, it's the, the strategy we're in for, and really nothing more. Um, the variance in playability and what you're doing in terms of win-con is up to the user. It's just a high-throughput card, and that's what you're trying to do with your deck. Right? So, when you take a look at the cards that kind of synergize with it on Wreck... And we see what was newly printed. You're going to see, okay, we have, you know, two Chonkers and Triplicate Titan, Ruin Grinder. We have a handful of reprints of 5.5s, five and the high synergy cards are all, like, power 6 or greater, essentially. Uh, disregard the dragon theme. That's kind of neither, neither here nor there. That's just a nicety. Uh, yeah. But it basically, you see right there that this is the style of deck that can play casually, competitively, and anywhere in between, which is something I've been looking at in the last couple of weeks for my specs. I want to cast this really broad net. And this gives us a decent population of players to sell into because we aren't bound to any other tribe besides Chonkers. And this could be Dragon Tribal, like we saw, all the way to Combo, where you are using uh, Perforos to sneak in Kiki Jiki or Zealous Conscripts below rate. So you save okay. a little bit of mana on your combo for an instant win. Uh, if, for people who don't know, Kiki Jiki costs five. Zealous Conscripts cost five. When Zealous Conscripts ETBs, you untap target permanent, or you gain control of target permanent, untap it. So you use Kiki Jiki to make a copy of Zealous Conscripts. The copy comes in, untaps Kiki Jiki, and now you make infinite Zealous Conscripts and win the game. Right. So that's how it goes. So the reason I, I decided to to look at this card was because it was sitting there, and I just thought like this has got to be something. There's something going on with this. There was when I picked this originally back in May. It was on the incline. Uh, and I'll, I'll bring up the stock scrap again so you can see it. So, uh, you know, it had been on the incline all the way into May, and I was like, all right, what's going on with this card now? And going on below the surface is the fact that in May, Card King was buying 31 at $2.25. On Friday, they were buying 52 at $2.27, and today they are buying 66 at $3.20. Yeesh, that's a yeah. real right? quick yep. ascension in price. Yep, 50 cents over the weekend just for this card. Showcase non-foil, 66, right? You can actually, and on Friday, I thought this opportunity disappeared. You could still arbitrage from TCG player, uh, almost uh, for the majority of vendors on the first page, I think, that have four or more available. You can arbitrage straight from TCG player to Card Kingdom for a profit. It stops, um, Packfresh Magic has 59 at 514, free shipping over 35 and that's the only way you don't make a profit on this card on tcg players when you get to that listing everything else is just profit pure gravy so 
you know, my timeline on this is, is kind of an interesting section because buy list quantity and price increase over the last three months combined with what seems like a race to the bottom to get rid of a rotating mythic showcase makes for an easy scoop with a three-month timeline for buy list profit. This was pending the fact that this gap would shore up, not increase, but see solid returns in six or so months after that. I still think that's true. Right now, market price is rising to meet the average, so the window is closing to get in under $4, which still holds true for media profit and I think anything under $5 now maybe even if you just the copies at 514 each you know just buy enough for free shipping seven copies right I, I think 514 is probably a good enough number for six months from now to make profit to to buy a list there's n we rarely see Theros gods reprinted outside of the commander decks and yep. or a commander legend Team. where we saw like We've seen Arois, and we've seen the green-white one, Karametra, God of the Harvest. Yeah. Right? The bad ones tank, the good ones float. Perforos OG, one of the good ones. Perforos new, one of the good ones. Will this track the same as the old? Probably not. But the fact that this is Sneak Attack, the general, and it ends games quickly, it plays to so many people, makes this, to me, a very interesting and a very worthwhile spec. Um, the other part that I found kind of interesting was that race to the bottom, like I mentioned. When I put this on my list in May, there were 202 unique prices, LP or better, for English, with a market of 277 On Friday, there were 188 with a market of $3.18. Right now, it looks like there are... Is 209 the correct number? 209 listings LP or better with a market of $2.86. So TCG player, stock increasing, market price holding fairly firm. Still, actually it dropped uh, looking at this. Still cheaper than CK's buy list. So, what? yep. And this is <clears> going Usually to that's the kind of thing that happens and it's just gone as soon as it happens. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Nope, that's exactly what I was going to say. And so I don't. this is not going to last that long. This is your opportunity to buy in once it hits $5. That's where I'd stop. If you're feeling brave, $6 is probably fine. And then you just sit on your hands while CK continues to sell out of their stock, raise the price on it, and then TCG player comes tagging along, kicking and screaming uh, to the end. Um, for what it's worth, I don't think we're ever going to see the showcase stuff like this again. Um, you know, we got the... The, not the celestial. What is the? Because we got the secret lair with all the constellation gods. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. This yeah. one, you know, this one's not here because it was the original Perforos, not the new one, right? It was the original twenty gods. Yep, right? it was so, the original. So until we get something like that, I doubt we see this card get reprinted in anything more than maybe a commander set, and even then, it's still not uh, that much of a hindrance to the good gods. Iros yep. did come back eventually. Karametra is the only one that's really suffered because that god is kind of hot medium. So, yeah, I think this is the last opportunity, I believe, to get in this card before it just takes off. I agree. I think it's a really solid pick. I think it does aggro and combo things. It checks all the EDH boxes, obviously. Uh, just all around good, solid use of the space. Yeah. I think that it's worth mentioning that some of those gods that were reprinted were reprinted in products that don't exist anymore. Uh, like the 
you know, Cadell got reprinted in Cadell versus whatever the blue green planeswalker, not Cadell. Um, not Kiora. The, yeah, Kiora. Kiora got printed in a dual deck. Well, those products don't exist anymore. So if supplemental sets are the way that these things are getting reprinted, it's pretty much commander sets. And that means we have to go back to Theros for it to be in a commander set, most likely. The way they're doing things now, yeah, they're tying it to plane-specific stuff, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so I, I don't think we're anywhere near a time where this would be reprinted outside of Secret Lair Constellation, which I wouldn't expect them to do so soon after the set releases. Yeah, yeah. and this is another one of those cards that I've brought up recently, which is... It's reliant on creatures to be good, but creatures only keep getting better. Yep. So you just bank on that, because that's why Birthing Pod remains banned in modern. They don't yep. want to make worse creatures, so they just ban the problem. The problem, in quotes. Print better removal. It's sorcery speed. Come on, people. Oxidized cost one is in the format, man. They'll never... How much does Splinter cost? Eight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, well, and you have Force of Vigor for free now. Oh, yeah. There you go. Come on, Wizards. Free the two political prisoners. That's all I'm asking. You can't have one without the other. You're right, though. Yeah, so, for like I said, for a number of reasons, the fact that this relies on creatures, it, it is a, a solid pick into Infinity and beyond. Like, these yep. kinds of effects that rel are reliant on creatures aren't few and far between, but the good ones are. You know, yeah, I think this is one of the best ones. Lurking Predators is another good one, but that's that's uh, related date time. True story. But is that going to be it for the week? We good? We're good. All right. So uh, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we also are on Facebook. You can message us there. Sometimes we see it. Otherwise, we have a Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/MTGCabalcast. I believe we do own the YouTube channel now, so YouTube.com/slash/user/slash/MTGCabalcast. We are there as well. It's where the video will be. Otherwise, the audio podcast can be found on um, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. If you want to talk to me, you are at Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week.